At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan. Dennis, stick with you on what has been a, a, a pretty quiet week, all things considered. We have a couple of earnings beats, massive earnings beats on our radar, but in terms of overall market, just not a ton going on uh, from a macro point of view. The earnings that I mentioned, Salesforce, Blowout Quarter, Adobe. Uh, we had, we had uh, uh, Dix this morning. We've got Nordstrom yesterday, HPE, Intuit, Toll Brothers, uh, continued rallies yesterday and this morning in stocks like Apple and Tesla and Neo. We'll talk about that. Our guest today is a new guest, Tim Quast. He is the founder and CEO of a couple companies, Modern IR and then Market Structure Edge. He is a market structure guru uh, along with, of course, Dennis. And we're going to talk about how the structure of the market and the complexity of that kind of plays into what we're seeing right now in terms of market dynamics and how the market is behaving. That'll be at 8 to 35. Before I throw it to Joel, hit that like button. I, I want to see at least 200 likes today. That is the goal for today, 200 likes. And now, Joel, update us on what has happened here overnight. I feel kind of like I'm in grade school. Like, do you like somebody and then they go and tell the other person? Yes, exactly. the other person. Is that, is that what it is? That's what okay. it is. Okay. All right. Uh, we're basically flat on the session. Uh, we're down three quarters of a handle, 42 and a half. Let's just call it unchanged. Uh, pre-market high, uh, challenged that high from yesterday at 48.75, turned back at 48. Uh, pre-market low, 36.75, have a have a mild number there, nothing major, but just hanging out at uh, mid-range. So we'll see only a 10-point range here in the s is a little bit over that. Uh, crude, man, this thing just can't catch a bit. I was looking at this breaking out over 43 yesterday, and I'm thinking 43, 44, 45, and I don't know. It just seems to just go nowhere. 43, 47, down 20 cents, holding 43. Uh, crude just not what it was. Uh, gold down a buck at 1922.10, trying to find support in the lower 1900 handle. Uh, silver going opposite direction here, uh, up a half a percent at 2640. That's 12.7 cents. And Bitcoin, that's trying to catch a bid here at uh, 11,000, just above it. It's up $85. At 11,395, models will get it out of the way, but I think I may owe Triple D a lunch uh, for AMD. No, I don't think we're there yet. Are we there? I went? 
I think you're going really to. close. We're, we're I think it's 87 and a half. I'm within striking distance. I on better this. Uh, put my order to sell 1 million at 87.49. I will tell you, I, I wish I would have bought the stock I and not did this call spread because I look at this call spread and I'm like, man, the stock's up like eight <laughs> points from where I put this call spread on. And obviously the call's not open today, so it's going to be a little bit higher, but I'm up two points on it. I'm like, this is the worst way to make money ever. Thing goes up eight, I make two. And that's the downside, I guess, with the call spread because the expiration, the time to expiration on the thing. As you know, I put a lot of time on it, so obviously, you know, there's a lot of time value still on that 100 call. That's you know significantly out of the money that I wrote. So, anyway, so obviously bought the 80, sold the 100. I tried in a different way. Usually, I just flat out buy the stock, but I was like, well, eh, we'll try this call spread. Maybe I should have write a put spread or something, but. You know what, but then if you, I've I've tried that both times. You write the put spread and, you know, you think, oh, man, this thing should just be coming in. And then it's just like you look at it. It's time value stuff. This doesn't erode fast enough, Time value erodes when you're, uh, like, on the other side. Yeah, when when you need it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyways. Uh, obviously, you know, well, I guess, you know, I need the time still too, because technically, because I bought the 80 and I sold the hundred. So technically I'm only worth six bucks, which is what I paid for it from an intrinsic value here right now. Obviously, well, I guess seven bucks gets 87, but anyways, um, just wait till that it was an interesting like, way to play it. Just it was wait a till different it's way like, to play it. When, it. when it's at 98, you know, and you're thinking, okay, this is pretty yeah, close. I should be up 20 points right now. I'm going to be up like seven. <laughs> I'm like this sucks, <laughs> and then and then leg out of it like I try to do sometimes, and then you know what happens when you lift one leg, and uh, you don't yeah. want to do that. But uh, a point making, no trader saying your percentage gain is going to be higher on your call spread. I guess you know if you're looking at percentages, I don't look at anything on percentages because I'm a prop trader, so I have a lot of money at my disposal, so I don't really need to. I just look at how much money I'm making. So I never look at percentages at all. I have no idea what I make on a percent basis on anything. It's kind of meaningless to a prop trader. Like when you're playing with houses money or with, with well not with house money, but with bright trading's money. I mean, it's, I'm not using, you know, I'm using a portion of my own money, but I'm using the bulk of bright trading's money. So yeah. it, 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 it's a it, prop traders never talk in percentages. So it's just different. I mean, I, I talk in percentages on my investment portfolio though. So I guess that's different, but. Anyways, right. I just wanted to complain that I'm up eight points. You want to complain? I'm really only up two. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, well, Me complain? I don't at complain. You, at least you get a free lunch. I don't know how we're well, going to do yeah, this. Well, you know what will happen? It'll go to 87. What, where is the price? 87.50? That's the bet? Yeah. It's, I think Spencer wrote it down, didn't he? Is 87 and a half, Spence? Yes, 87 and a half. And By a 49 cents. Because we it. said intraday, so it won't be uh, free you'll market. Get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Now right. it'll go to 87.45 and then tank down 10 bucks and Joel will win. And no, I'll be more mad about the time. lunch than losing money on the stock or yeah. on the option in this case. All right, we got uh, we got some decent uh, earnings going on. Do we want to we want to talk earnings? We want yeah. new stocks. What do you want? Well, well, let's let's talk dicks. Holy mackerel! That was a quarter. I mean, the the companies that are supposed to report the good quarters are reporting the good quarters, and I don't think anybody's surprised that dicks beat. But I was surprised at the number. Like, holy, <laughs> did they beat? I mean, this was a bar that was set very high. Everybody knows. Everybody likes outdoor stuff right now. But that they beat that high bar 
by an exceptional merge in Spencer Israel. Give us the details. I mean, uh, who was it? I was it, I think it was Susquehanna that said, "Hey, what's good for Foot Locker is good for Dix." Uh, and apparently so. We're onto something here. Dix reported Q2 EPS of three dollars and twenty-one cents versus a one dollar and twenty-six cent estimate. Big beat on that number. Sales two point seven versus two point four. Uh, $5 billion, so a nice beat and a nice beat uh, for the Q2 earnings and the sales. Uh, e-commerce sales up 194% year That old. sounds good. Uh, that, that does sounds bullish. That, does I, <laughs> that is good. 194% is that good. Sounds, that sounds bullish. Okay, uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin making a good point on CNBC when he's talking about these numbers, though. Is this just all pulled forward? Like, are we just, you know, because we had the COVID and everybody's outside doing their things and once, you know, COVID gets under control and, you know, everybody's bought their outdoor stuff, is those sales just go right back down to where they were? I think yes. I th- I, I, I'm answering Andrew Ross Sorkin's question with a yes. What are your thoughts? That this is just sales being pulled forward and it's not going to be like we're going to sustain this growth in dicks for the foreseeable future. I mean, COVID goes away. I think Dick's sales go back down to normal. No? Uh, I think. Or has everybody yes, I'm changed? I'm not going to argue with has you. Has the uh, consumer yes. changed? Yeah. That they like, oh, I, I like this outdoor stuff now. They're going to become more outdoorsy after this. I, we go back to our, you know, our mindless our rolling ways. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I mean, I think it's a both of, you know, I think about that. Like, how are you, you going to do that? But then you just go walking around the neighborhood. You just. People are out doing more things, which is good. Now, we're in Michigan, so November, December, January. I, you know, I don't know how many people are going to be ordering skis online and cross-country skiing. So um, it's a contributing factor, but I do see some uh, change in consumer behavior. How about, how about you, Spencer? Maybe changing how they shop from in the store to online. Those of us who, uh, you know, like shopping in stores like me were forced to go online. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they're that's a sustainable man. trend, yeah. but I'm saying like this run for sporting goods and, you know, people trying to buy a, like Randy oh. Ross says, I've been trying to buy a bicycle for four months and I can't do it. You know, people like bidding on, you know, like I said, you well, know, I, selling yeah. a boat, buying it last year for $10,000 and, you know, getting people interested at $25,000 because everybody just needs a boat right now. Cause everybody wants to be outdoors. I mean, this is a little bit of a bubble in outdoor play. I, I, I think what's not sustainable is the fact that for a few months, everybody basically had the same life, right? We were all, it doesn't matter where you were, your economic status, uh, where you lived, uh, you worked at home and you, and you stayed at home. For a few, and everyone had the same life for like three months at least. Uh, and that, that uniformity is what prompted runs on uh, boats and uh, weights to, to uh, like uh, weights to work out at home and and pelotons yeah, and all, yeah. all these things. Once we all go back to like our regularly scheduled lives, I think these trends are gonna go back to the way they were. I think so too. So it's a matter of timing it, and we know. I, and I do think COVID's gonna pick up a little bit here in September. So I don't think we're past it. Um, so maybe that, you know, gives another pop to some of these stay at home plays coming up. Like we're only a couple of weeks away from September and the kids going back to school. I mean, if you're sending your kids back to school um, or, and obviously there's going to be a lot of spread and, you know, people start going back indoors because it starts to get colder. Uh, it probably gives COVID another pop here, but 
the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, for COVID, I, I think it, I think is there. I mean, the vaccine is eventually going to come. We're going to get past this pandemic. You know, look, you look a year out from now. It's obviously not the zombie apocalypse. I'm, you know, maybe we thought back in March that it was a lot more serious. It's not killing as many people, which is a great thing. But at a certain point in time, some of these companies, even like Peloton, that have you know basically benefited significantly from this you know stay-at-home economy. Um, that trade eventually starts to come off. So I guess timing that is going to be the key. Yeah, people aren't going on vacations. We could talk about And that'll start again, too. Yeah, but for a while, they're spending their money. I just want to tell you, I contributed to Dick's uh, strong quarter. Would you Uh, buy? Would you buy? Well, I got a good deal. Um, Last time I went out, man, I must have, I don't know, I took 18 golf balls out and with me, and I maybe came back with like nine I lost a lot of golf balls. I, I don't know I what I was holes. doing, but I don't look. I just like, if I hit it, ah, it's gone. I drop hit another one. So I went in to get more I, golf I balls. Ah, yeah, I know you're cheap. Yeah, uh, well, you, so I went I and they it. had these Izod golf shirts. Nine, normally $52, $19.99. And I didn't even need a golf shirt. And I'm like, I even though it was purple. Like, this Northwestern is a deal, colors, Joel I got a shirt. Nineteen ninety nine, and plus the golf balls. I probably I got cheap golf balls, so I'm not buying expensive golf balls anymore because I lose them too much. But I got a good deal. But let's talk digs. And we were talking about this on the PM show. And look at that that monthly. I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, that fifty is just a sitting duck. You know, you had two monthly highs from the end of last year, and I was like, this thing gets over fifty. Who knows how high it could go? They take it straight up through fifty. Yeah. We got to just over fifty-four, fifty-four sixteen. So if I had this on the long side, I'd be hoping for fifty-four. I'd immediately have an order out at fifty-four. Um, if that did not get taken early in the session, we started to give some back. Uh, you know, maybe I'd have to lower my offer, but that's the bogey for me. Uh, the exact number was a uh, 54.16 pre-market high. Really not good of where you're telling to buy this on support. I mean, Foot Locker gave it back, but Foot Locker also had overhead supply where Dex is breaking out. Is this the all-time highs for Dex? No, sorry, no, it's not. No, 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 back no, in 2017, no. you're over 60 yep, and stuff. Yep, yep. So you could run into some overhead supply here issues here too. So I, I, I like your number, 54. I think that's that's resistance for at least this morning. And we'll see, you know, if it pops back up there in the regular session, what does it do there? Does it pause or does it blow right through it? That would be the question to be answered. But I, I, I tend to think I'd take the gain too. But, you know, I always take my gains too quick. That's my problem. So, Chris Brown, question. Hey, guys, when you're watching a stock consolidating, how can you tell uh, from whether it is going to go up or down or you just go off the particular trend of the stock? Yeah, that, I would say the question. trend. I yeah, think you trend. answered your own question there. Uh, a stock's in an uptrend, hat comes down, has consolidation. Yeah breaks out out of the top and you can also use the bottom of the consolidation but answer i'll give you the example two days ago and i said on the show i bought neo nio and why did i buy it well bring up the chart overall uptrend it's been very strong the you know we know the ev story electric vehicle story has been very hot and it had been consolidating look how much consolidation they're just sitting around there perching and um obviously you know we got a little pullback there with the tax uh two days ago on the 24th and it pulled back a bit. It opened up at the highs like near 1490 and pulled back. And I was able to pick some up around 14 and a half. And here it is two days later. Now it's 1890. I did not expect the thing to just explode the next day, 
but that's what's happened here. So, you know, me, I always sell too early. I, I still have it all. I will probably ring the register if this gets near 20 today because I think 20 is a big whole number. I don't know if I'll ring the register on all, but I'll probably sell a chunk. I mean, it's a big move in just a short period of time, but that's what we look for. Nice, purple, Jeff Mackey, purple crayon uptrend, consolidating there for about, you know, two, three weeks, really, most of August, between $13, $14. And, you know, two days ago, we got a catalyst, I believe it was UBS upgrading this morning, we have another catalyst, Morgan Stanley upgrading the stock. So analyst chasing price, breaking it out. NIO, if you want to talk electric vehicles, like you think about, okay, you got Tesla. And if you want another pure play EV that's actually making cars right now, there, there isn't a lot of them. I mean, there's some smaller ones, but, you know, you think about Nikola, well, that's the concept still. They're not actually producing cars. I mean, Neil is selling cars. So have we seen one? Do we have we <laughs> do we are you saying this is luck and coffee? It's not luck and coffee. No, no, I just it's you just, know, I, I'm on it, so I hope it's not luck and coffee. No, <laughs> no, I just um, does it make it they sell cars, right? they actually have cars, Neil's that they sell in China. So, I mean, could this story get hot again? That's why I bought it two days ago, and I think it is. I think the EV story is getting hot, you know, all over the place here again, even Tesla. Uh, getting some love from Jeffries, which we can maybe go to that now. But, um, you know, the story cools off for a few days and then it just turns around and starts getting hot again. So workhorse, big day for it yesterday. Full disclosure, I'm long workhorse as well. I went on an EV buying party there just a couple <laughs> days ago because these were all in consolidation. So WKH, same thing, consolidating for so long around this 15. I looked at it for long enough and I was like, ah, I think I got a trade in here. I think, I, you know, obviously the contract we know is a risk, uh, but, you know, I think I'm probably going to be in and out of it before then. But that's what it's all about. Finding stocks and uptrends, get a little period of consolidation. That's when you strike. Yeah. And also one thing, Chris, which it, you could be looking at uh, when you uh, are watching stocks in consolidation modes is, uh, and I, I don't look at volume a ton, but you had pretty good volume on this on up days and in workhorse, right? Up day, up day. Down days, the volume wasn't much. And then just the volume here was the same. A down day, not as much. And then picked up again on, uh, on Monday and then really picked up on Tuesday. So sometimes you get better examples. Sometimes it's just a thing. It's just a big seller. One or two or three big sellers that, hey, hey well, let's get out of this. It's hit our targets two or three days. You know, the big buyers, you know, recognize and say, hey, I'll step back. I'll let you sell. And then I'll wait till you sell to a price that I like. So volume has something to do with it. But, Somebody uh, yep, in so the chat talking about Solo too. Nice candle yesterday for Solo. So I like that one too. I don't have that one. Um, it's bid up 15 cents here in the pre-market, but could it get a little bit of life? Could it get a little bit of love? It could. I mean, I like a Neo better because it's breaking out. Um, where you have a lot of overhead supply in solo. So I don't think it's as clean of, a, it's not going to be as easy of a run for solo as it is for Neo because Neo is breaking out to all time high. So this is nothing up there where in solo, you have all the pain from people who have been trying to buy this thing for the last you know couple of months unsuccessfully because it keeps leaking, leaking, leaking. I mean, I even had a little bit of pain in there um, where I bought it and I cut the loss very quickly. I think I ended up only losing 10 cents, but um, there's some people who are stuck in this thing. So it's not as easy to just start flying up to four, five, six because you have overhead supply. Big difference in the chart between a stock making new all-time highs and a stock that's just going to run into trouble from everybody who gutter, bought it in the yeah. last, trying to come out of the gutter. It's a big difference. We've got a new one here as well that, that we did not discuss yesterday. Luminar 
is uh, going public via reverse uh, IPO, reverse merger, uh, SPAC, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this company is backed by Peter Thiel and the symbol for the SPAC right now, GMHI, uh, Go Mary uh, Hotel India. and That's uh, electric vehicle parts? It's like technology for autonomous driving. Okay. So, so not, it's a, it's a thing electric. behind the thing play. Not, not electric, but autonomous driving. I mean, it's I mean all, all these, you know, have the potential to run. I don't like the fact that it really didn't run, you know, very well. I guess it did. It went a little up a little bit. I actually did trade this one yesterday, too. I'm fully out of it now. Just day traded it. Uh, you you want to see them go, and you want to see them keep going, and it's already peeling back a bit. So I'm, I don't know. I mean, some of these SPACs, you know, it's not like you just buy any SPAC and they're going to go. I mean, we have another yeah. one today, TRNE completely different industry i believe it's called you know the name of this one it's 3d printing train or something no no that's the no that's the spac but the company that's going to become is uh did something metals it's like 3d uh, printing though. yeah yeah i had the ceo was just on cnbc that's the only reason i knew about it uh it's uh something metals is the yep. company desktop metal desktop metal. desktop metal yeah yeah 3D printing company, but you can see the difference here. So here you get this announcement basically this morning, and the SPAC is up. It's getting some love, but it was popping up over 1150. It's already peeling back off those highs. Um, you know, they're like, oh, 3D printing company. And people are saying, man, we don't really like 3D printing companies. We can go buy a couple of those right now. And they're dogs. I know they're dogs because I'm in 3D and it's been a complete dog. Um, SSYS, same thing. So here's a SPAC. It's going to be another 3D printing, but they just don't like 3D printing companies right now. So not all SPACs are created equal. I think it needs a story behind it. And the 3D printing story has been hurting for a long time. So this is one that I would expect not to just blast off. But, you know, these things are thin and anything can happen. If they get a lot of media coverage, that can obviously push them higher as well. It is up 7%, but it's already fading from the highs. Yeah. So to your point, though, just about there being, uh, you know, a couple of main way, uh, plays to trade this theme, Tesla and Neo are obviously the leaders, but there is, at this point, there's a dozen or more uh, between the workhorses. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the, Smaller ones. The, the Nikolas, uh, the Hylians, the Solos. Uh, so there's, there's a lot here. Uh, the trend, trend is hot. Trend cool. And I'm in that other one, SPAQ. Um, and it's actually been a good one. I just got in it two days ago too. I bought this one at 12 and a half because it started to show some life. Like this thing was dead too. Again, this is one that really blew up and went all the way to 2160 in three days when they announced that they were doing and it. And this is the, I get them all confused, but There's the SPAQ so is. There's so many. It, this it, is the. Very difficult to keep track. It's Fisker. This is the Yeah, one. the Fisker. Yeah, that's what it, the Fisker. Yes, this is the SUV one. Um, yeah. Right. But again, electric cars. So it's a play on EV. Yeah. Or not electric cars, but it's a play on EV. For sure. So All it's right. an EV one as well. The EV ones seem to be doing better than the non-EV ones. That's the point I was trying to make. So could this SPAQ go? I'm trying it because it's starting to show some life. Um, and it was in consolidation for a long time. So I think, you know, my risk, obviously, there's always more risk than you think. But, you know, it's consolidating nicely at 12. So I kind of had my risk defined around 12. Anyway, it went up 12 and a half. It's like, oh, maybe it's going to start to go. So now it's 1360. And, you know, we're going to see where it goes. But I don't know if it's going back again. It's not as easy as a NEO play. And the NEO's not a SPAC. But I mean, if you're looking at EV plays, because NEO's making new all time highs. So that can really go when they're making new all time highs, as opposed to these ones that are going to run into some overhead supply issues. 
So I had said to Joel yesterday, you know, I, I bet you Dennis has sold his Neo. I guess I was wrong, but now, <laughs> but, but, but now, now what do you do? Because you, you bought this. It's hard. This is, um, this is unlike you, I feel like, I, to, to, to hold on to a game like this. <laughs> well, it happened so fast. Yeah. So, you know, I do have some gains that I can hold on to. Obviously, I've, I've always been very good at entries, and I'm always very poor at exiting. I exit too soon. I, exit, I, I cut my losers very well, so I'm good at getting out of my losers, but I, I cut my winners too short, too. And it's probably the scalper in me. I've been, you know, scalping stocks for 20 years, so I scalp out, you know, I'm scalping for nickels half the time. So when you're making three points in something or 25% or 30% in a few days, it's like, whoa, you know, it's time to book that profit. But obviously, you know, when stocks making new all-time highs, maybe it's a better way to trail it up a little bit. I, I like to go to the whole numbers. That's why I automatically thought, okay, what's well, went to 19? It's probably going to 20. The candy theory, right? 20. Yep. You know, that's where maybe I take a chunk off and then maybe let a little more ride. I mean, that's how I was playing Workhorse when it was really running. You know, it got to 10. I was like, okay, well, that's going to be a stumbling block. It stopped there for two days and then ran to 20. So, you know, the workhorse I actually played pretty well. I, I, I had a pretty good chunk, and I lagged out of it three or four times. Um, Neo, I'm probably just going to lag out, you know, a piece, and then I'll probably sell it all. But um, I, it, it's hard. I mean, you, chat, tell me where what I should do on Neo. Somebody's saying, hold on, man. <laughs> hold on to this thing. This could really go. And it's right. I mean, the story could get hot again, and this could be $20, $25 in a hurry. I watched it go up 30% yesterday. So, you know, this is a stock that's wide open. It can really go. Um, so it, it's tough. Exiting positions is, is tricky. Yeah. All right. I want to go to Salesforce here. We actually skipped this one. Um, and I, uh, this, this was a, a beat of beats, uh, yesterday afternoon, Salesforce reported a Q2 EPS of a dollar and 44 cents versus a 67 cent estimate sales of 5.15 versus 4.9 billion dollars so a very big beat on the eps also beat on the sales uh q3 eps guidance was white by a couple of pennies sales guidance was higher uh guidance for the fiscal year was uh well above estimates though for the earnings per share and for sales uh, just just a, a blowout quarter for Salesforce. Just the, yeah. and, and the release said as much. This has got to be one of the biggest moves in Salesforce in years because yeah. Salesforce is a huge company. It's not like one of these smaller cloud plays that move 10 or 15% on earnings. Like what was the expected move on CRM? Because I can pretty much guarantee you it wasn't 31 points. So I'm going to go look at where the options closed and grab that oh, expected yeah. move for you. Yeah. But it was probably a hell of a lot less. Um, grabbing it. You guys can do do a quick technical, Joel, on it first. Let's try to do a can. technical. Well, I mean, it's all-time highs, right? Yeah. But if um, we look, so the August 28th, we'll look at the weeklies. I'm bringing them up now. And if you were looking at the straddle, it was about 10 bucks. So this is three times the expected move. This is, you know, hurting straddle writers here big time. Um, I, maybe, it, you know, a little bit to do is added to the Dow and it yeah, got, probably it, moved it out yesterday it. too. And now you have a blowout quarter. I mean, everybody kind of expected that salesforce.com would have really good numbers with this kind of like dicks. So, you know, they didn't have really good numbers. They had exceptional numbers. So, and it's bringing up everything in cloud today. I mean, you can go across the board. Splunk's going to report tonight. SPLK is trading up five bucks in the pre-market. Um, you can go to really any of the cloud plays. Twilio, TWLO is up five bucks. Um, just going across, there's, there's like you know, 20 of these companies. So they're all going to be up significantly here. But 
wow, what an exceptional quarter for Salesforce.com. Workday is probably your, your, maybe your purest sympathy play with Salesforce. It's up seven bucks, breaking out through $200 here now, WDAY. So this would actually be a breakout to all-time highs for Workday too. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. Workday got up to 226 back uh, in the summer of last year. But it's breaking out over 200, which it hasn't done this year. So it's going to kickstart a lot of different stocks. But impressive quarter and obviously three times expected move, impressive move for the stock. You know, on these charts, I always say, man, you know, I don't know where to buy this thing. Someone wants to buy this thing, 244, 245. There's your clear, that is as clear day support since the 4 a.m. open. So if you want to try and buy it on a pullback right there, pre-market high hasn't got to 250 yet, 249.30. It probably will. But use that uh, early trading range, uh, 244 to 249.30 here, kind of sitting right in the middle. Uh, but this thing is, you know, when I talk about like a, a step step down seller, yeah. well, you had a step up buyer, and now he's just kind of sitting on the ledge at uh, 244 and change, just uh, bringing all the stock. That That's for now. Who knows what happens in a regular session, but that's what I'm looking at here in CRM. And Spencer, do you use that? I know the people at Benzinga use it. Do you? I, use I don't. I, Benzinga don't does. It. I do not. No, I've, I've, I've never really been in that. It's uh, been such well, a, a sleepy giant. Yeah. Workday and CRM have just been sleepy giants for a long time. Yes, they've had moves. But, you know, you think about some of these other moves and some of the smaller cloud plays, and they've had, you know, a lot more significant moves. So does this, like, give it the kickstart? Somebody in the chat saying it could go to 300? I think so. I think it could, too. I mean, it's not going straight there. It's a huge move for the stock. It's a huge company with a huge market cap. But could this be, you know, like, like I don't think I'd be shorting this, thinking, oh, it's going to come down, you know, 235, 230, eventually give it all back. I tend to think I'd be a buyer of the pullback if you've got a pullback. But... I don't even know what kind of a pullback you're going to get because in the after hours and pre-market session, this isn't pulling back at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, S&Ps, we're, we're green. We're green by two points. Very, very quiet. We had a quiet overnight session. We're having a very quiet uh, session during the show. It must be everyone is so concentrating on the content from the pre-market prep show that they're not really trading the spoos. They're just waiting for individual stock information. This, the spoos have just not been the trade. I mean, it's been the cues. It's been the cues. I mean, yeah, the S&Ps are moving around and stuff, but this has been a tech-driven market. It's been tech all the way. And there's clear rotation here again. And look, you know, again, it's the same story. We get value looking good for a day and a half. And, you know, American Airlines, oh, yeah, we got up to $14 yesterday. This is its time. And they pulled the wings out from under it. And nice one. We haven't used that one. <laughs> and we're down a buck. Like, just like that. Just like that, the rotation changes again. So this rotation just does not stay in these value names. Even the banks. The banks, you know, yeah, kind of held on to the gains, but they leaked yesterday too. Day the S&P, you know, is trying to rip higher. It wasn't led by value. It was led by, once again, the big tech names. Tesla, nice bounce back day for it. Um, Apple, same story, bouncing back a little bit. Yes, closed down on the day, but from where we were from the lows to where we closed, we reversed yesterday right around, you know, the 945 when we do these reversals. And we started, we stopped selling tech and we started turning around and buying the tech names. And then they stopped buying value 
and the reopening trade, and they started selling all those stocks again. So I don't know what it's going to take to get a sustained rally in a stock like Boeing, but Boeing opened yesterday right at the high. 180, which has been major resistance for this thing forever, and it went straight down. If you look this morning, same story, Boeing trading down a buck. So here's the S&Ps trading slightly in the green, Boeing not participating. So clear, clear separation once again between your winners and your losers. And I, and I mentioned this on yesterday's show. I mean, you could have a, just a boring year here in, in Boeing. Eight, you know, had the nice run up at 17, 18, did absolutely, you know, boom, boom, trading range, trading range, trading range. And then, you know, everyone got crazy and it took it to 450. Then you had the bad news. Look how long you had that trading range. Uh, you know, it was like 320 to 380. And then it like, it moved it down 300. And then COVID, you know, took it out underneath. But I mean, the way this thing has went up, the way it's went down, I mean, you could talk about, because I'm just looking for maybe a year, and maybe that's how long it's going to take to, you know, get a vaccine and to get people back to travel and everything back to the way it was. So I, I'm looking, I'm not looking for 120, and I'm not looking for 220 on this one. I, I just, I just see a you think, long. You think long, writing straddles is the way to go here? On just this. long period of consolidation. It's worked for two months. We've gone nowhere. It's just and, getting you know, started. Yep. You're making a good point because the battle between the bulls and the bears here is very strong. You have people who believe that, hey, you know, Boeing was, you know, in trouble kind of before COVID with the whole Max issue. And then COVID, you know, kicked it off the cliff. And this company is going to have to raise more cash. And, you know, its customers are not buying new planes because travel is down so much. And then you have the bulls that say eventually we're going to get past COVID and everything's going to go back to normal. And, you know, you want to own Boeing because in three years we're going to forget this ever happened and everybody's going to be back to their old habits, you know, and going and doing things. And Boeing's going to be flying on all cylinders again. So I, I get it. I mean, there is an argument both ways. And I don't think anybody has the crystal ball to be able to say who's going to be right here. And maybe that's why we're range bound. And maybe we do stay range bound for a long time. You know what? I, and this is just, this is just me, but I, and I, and I did it a lot, but I never loved flying. I mean, uh, you know, after nine 11, it became such a hassle with the security and it's just, you know, we've had, you know, a couple incidences, like one time when we were leaving from Jamaica, we had to go back twice to the, uh, to the, um, to the airport because of potential engine trouble, you know, and when you're sitting there with two kids and your wife and they're talking potential engine trouble and you have Jamaican mechanics, no, you know, no, no, <laughs> oh, dis- they're good. I take that back. I take that back. There's I mean, you're like, mechanics oh, down there in Jamaica. I would, I would oh. rather. They're, I would, they're a little <laughs> more easy going is the problem though. <laughs> I want Bob Marley working on my airplane. I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing us back. Yeah, here. we better get off this segue. in trouble. It's here. 835. Damn. I want to bring on today's guest, uh, Tim Quast. He is the founder and CEO of Modern IR, also Market Structure Edge. Tim, good morning. And uh, do you have any experiences <laughs> with uh, Jamaican mechanic? <clears throat> no, but you know, Bob Marley's a Christian. So you got it, you know, maybe you're in good hands. Maybe you got the best wings of all. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Uh, Tim, so your, your background is in market structure uh, and, 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 and how, how that sort of dictates price. So um, my first question to you is, 
based on what we've seen, I mean, we're, we're quiet now. It's the end of August. Right. It's the dog days of summer. It's been relatively quiet. We're inching up to new all-time highs. But all in all, things are generally pretty quiet out there. Uh, with regards to the overall market and how it's behaved over, over the past few months, how do you think the, the complicated nature of, of the way the market is structured, how has that sort of influenced the way the market has, has moved over the past few months? Well, I think it's uh, what it reflects is the paucity of rational thought in the marketplace. And Dennis, you, you've talked about this a long time. Uh, the way we look at the data, about 85% of the volume is something other than stock picking. And the market very much reflects that. Uh, so you have behavior that seems to disconnect from the underlying economy. It's just a reflection of the fact that the market isn't motivated by rational thought. It's motivated by, by prices. To, to me, the way we look at the market, everything is relative value. It all comes back to what the surrounding prices are. And uh, the market has reflected that very well. I mean, there's the whole ETF effect, which you've talked about too, Tim. I mean, yep. we've got so much concentration from the ETF community in just a select number of names. That's probably not a coincidence that these stocks continue to outperform because buying these ETFs, that's the stocks then, or if you're launching a new ETF, you're, 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 you want to put the sexy names in there. You don't want to put General Electric in there. Who's buying an ETF that's going to invest in Ford, General Electric, you know, and, you know, all these other companies when they can go and invest in Tesla. So it's the sexy names, the storied names that continue to get the ETF love and the ETFs have a big influence on this market. And here, here's something that I, most people don't understand about exchange-traded funds. Took me three years to figure this out. I talked to every academic in the country and most of the ones in the world who have written papers on exchange-traded funds to figure this out. It's very complicated. Uh, and that is that ETFs are not pooled investments. They're exempt from the Investment Company Act of 1940s requirement that a fund that pools investors' fiduciary assets be redeemable, meaning if I own 10% of the pool in, in my share position, then I have a legal right to 10% of the underlying asset pool. Well, the only way that exchange-traded funds can reprice throughout the day is if you disconnect that idea from ETFs. It is not a pooled investment with a proportionate claim by the parties who own the shares because otherwise everybody would have to get the same price, which is why mutual funds can only price once a day, whereas ETFs can price throughout the day. So then that has an enormous consequence in the way things behave. I use ExxonMobil as a great illustration of this. ExxonMobil is down 72% year to date, and yet it's in 270 ETFs. Now, why would it be in so many ETFs if it's such a dog? Well, because I can very easily round up XOM shares as an ETF market maker and supply them to BlackRock and receive the right to create an equal value of ETF shares, which I know are going to go up because they're going to track Tesla and Amazon and so on. And then when I trade shares back to get XOM, I'll get, I could repeat the trade. And for BlackRock, BlackRock will surrender fewer XOM shares than it received. So that trade can go on and on. And to your point, the principal pricing mechanism for ETFs is not investment behavior. It's the wholesale market. In the wholesale market for ETFs, I can bring $25 million worth of stock to BlackRock 
and create $25 million worth of ETF shares. BlackRock pays no commission. There is no tax on that transaction because it's an in-kind exchange. And then I can turn around and sell those 25 million ETF shares in the market like confetti. Well, what a great deal that is. And then I can trade them all day long versus the basket. I can trade them versus the options, versus the index futures. And that is what is occurring. We studied SPY. We looked at the amount of share creation and redemption in SPY and the amount of trading volume. And we concluded 94% of the trading is arbitrage. It's not investment behavior. Uh, at any time, 60% of SPY is borrowed. So that's a great trade too. If you're gonna trade it versus SPX, uh, the, the futures contract, you have almost no risk. That stuff is what's occurring and it causes the market to behave in totally irrational ways. So, so how should the, the average retail trader think about this in their day-to-day -day trading? Should they not? Should they just ignore this entire issue more or less? Or, sh or should they, I guess, how do they influence how do they be influenced by this? Right. Well, so from my perspective, and this is why we created Edge. So the, 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 com the community that is well-informed in trading has talked about the effects of market structure for a very long time. I learned a bunch. Dennis, uh, you've taught me things. And uh, Joe Saluzzi, Sal Arnick, they're the ones who introduced me to you. Uh, they have taught me a lot about how the market works. So we took all of that and we created a platform that reflects those realities. It's very much like uh, if you look at a, a stock technically or you look at a stock fundamentally or you look at it through a lens of market structure, they're all ways to see how these things play out. Uh, that's what we've done. And, and I mean, I wish I could show you. If I shared my screen. Can we, can we, yeah, can we share I, your screen? I, you can. You can. You, you can. I don't know if, right. you, if your let's, compliance allows it or not. But <laughs> let, let's, let's give it a, a whirl. See All what right. happens here. Yeah, let's we'd see, love to see your screen. See what happens here. FYI, uh, Joel uh, texted me and said he lost power. So he's rebooting on oh. Jupiter. So he will be back, but he yeah. lost power at his house. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be with us. Well, lucky right. we got Tim. We like Tim right. better anyway. Back, back, back to Tim. Back to Tim. <laughs> so, so we were talking about Bob Marley and Jamaican uh, airline mechanics and Boeing. So here's Boeing viewed through a market structure lens. And what you see on the screen is the, here's Boeing's price, the dark bar. We could drop that so we could just look at sentiment um, or, or we could drop sentiment out of the way and uh, just look at price. But the point that what we're talking about here is how market structure sentiment, which is a, it's an algorithm. It says the market is comprised of four big behaviors, active investment behavior, 14% of the market, passive investment behavior, about 22%, uh, fast trading, which are machines that just set, set prices. That's 55% of the, the market. And then the balance is derivatives trades. So like trades with multiple legs that involve a counterparty. And so the interplay of those with prices is what we call sentiment. And so stocks tend to move from one to 10. Uh, and, and there are three major ways to turn this to your advantage. Uh, since the, the, the middle point between one and 10 is five, the whole market continually returns to five. So if you wanted stocks to hold, find stocks that have sentiment of five. If you want stocks to trade, look for ones that move from one to 10. So Boeing was a great trading stock in May. By June, it was done. 
go find something else. If you bought Boeing when it was a one and sold it as a 10 or sold it on the down tick, which is one of three rules we follow, you could have made a lot of money. Then the pattern breaks down. The, the ability to use market structure to make money disappears. If we look at the, the whole airline and cruise ship group, uh, which is kind of a fun group to look at. If you looked at August 3rd, the, the everything was a one. Well, that's a good time to look at them. If they're one out of 10 and they're a trading stock. What goes into that number, uh, Tim? So, so is that your, se your yeah. secret sauce? Can you give it, us your secret sauce here? What goes into this yeah. making up one to 10? You like so, so, so really it comes back to regulation national market system. Reagan MS regulates quotes, trades, data, and access to all three. And it causes brokers to have to do certain things with trades. If I'm Hudson River trading, I still have to meet best execution standards, even if I don't have any customers. I don't have to report how I route trades around the market. If I'm Morgan Stanley and I've got fiduciary responsibility as a, as a, a riskless principal, now I have to report how I route trades around the marketplace and I still have to meet best execution standards. So we can measure how money complies with that. So passive money tries to get to the averages. We can see that. If money has a counterparty and it moves inversely with the counterparty, there's risk management. So Delta Airlines is being led by that kind of behavior at August 3rd. Fast traders ping through and change the market. We look at it like a decathlon. Uh, trades are trying to compete in a decathlon. And the ones that want to be average behave that way, and that's passive money. The ones that hang out doing the high jump probably are active money. There's not a single instance of active money buying this group here. Look at that. It's all passive risk management and fast trading. Tells okay. us it's all, it's, all, it's all quantitative asset allocation, short-term trading, and the use of derivatives. So you can use that to your advantage. So let's go look at CCL. Would this have been a good time? Well, it's compelling right there. Short volume's very low. It's been a one for four days. Prices come down. That could be a good time to play this stock. Uh, and you're well ahead of options expirations. So now let's step back forward to, uh, let's step all the way here and we'll look at the whole period. So now look at Carnival. It's back to a three, but it's already been a 10. So if you wanted to buy it, buy it somewhere in here. By the time it gets to a 10, get rid of it. That's what you want to do. Because what, that's, what that measure is telling you is that the supply and demand gets exhausted. These behaviors, for whatever purpose they move into and out of a stock, doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter if it's technical, doesn't matter if it's fundamental, doesn't matter if it's asset allocation. At some point, supply will get exhausted and the ability of machines to ping around and say, well, we can fill that trade goes away. And that's what sentiment tells us. When it gets to 10 out of 10, it says orders will no longer fill. Time to leave. So, and then in good stocks, like uh, Tesla, you may, you may buy Tesla when it dips below five and don't leave until it returns to that level. I'll show you that. Yeah, but th that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're doing with the data. So let's go look at the FANGs. I think everybody should have a FANGs portfolio. With, by the way, this is Edge, and you can build whatever kind of portfolios you want. Here's the FANGs Plus. I put 11 in this group. Uh, but if we go look at Tesla, see, it's a 10 out of 10 but it hasn't ticked down. So, and it's only 48% short. Here was the time to buy Tesla. Only 48%? It's only 48% short. So what that means, that's not short interest. Okay. We're, looking, we're looking at the amount of trading every day coming from borrowed stock. It's a, it's a, me, it's a metric that came out of Dodd-Frank. 
in 2010. The SEC revised rules and recommended under Rule 201 that brokers revise how they report short trading. So then FINRA created the regulation. And so among the 86 different data points that broke, the executing broker has to report to FINRA within 10 seconds of a trade is whether the, tr the shares involved in this trade are, are, are owned by the broker or its customer or borrowed. Sometimes they mark them all borrowed just to, just to comply. But that's what we're measuring. It's a great measure of supply and demand. When it goes up, it tells us supply is getting stretched. If it goes up and passive money is the lead behavior, we know passive money is rotating out because the high speed traders will know that. So when that level drops and sentiment is low, that is a great time to buy Tesla and just keep holding it until this sentiment drops to nine, then leave. And let's back up and I'll show you how good this works. If you go back three months in Tesla, Look how much time it's spending at 10, and it never dropped below five. Don't, don't, don't leave. If so if you, you, you know, you're the perfect play is it don't sell till it goes below 5.0. Drops to 4.2, you're out. Now I would say exit on nine, because it's been this way a very long time. But it gives you a chance to avoid any flat periods, any declines, and capture most of the gains. It's not going to get them all, but it will capture most of them, and it helps you avoid risk. And it all comes back to the rules. That's it. The only thing we care, we don't care about headlines. We don't care about, uh, we can't talk about earnings. And I'll show you something important about what to know ahead of earnings. But it's really about the mechanics of the laboratory that takes the ingredients called stocks and transforms them. And that can be turned to your advantage as a trader. I mean, I, there's, there's so many questions I could go on. This, this looks, you know, just interesting. But, you know, the way you're isolating the active money from the passive money is such a good tool because you're seeing, you know, how, you know, where the, where the active money is going. How much, first question is, how much effect do you think like Robinhood has on this, you know, on these numbers? Because yeah, like, exactly. Robinhood that's, traders that's I was thinking. are <laughs> like a pool of like active traders that are like moving around. And, you know, right. so we have this question and this is question has been asked, you know, to, you know, on the media multiple times. How much right. of effect does Robinhood really have on stocks? And maybe you can isolate it and maybe you have a good answer for us here, Tim. I do, actually. So, we, so nearly all order flow coming from retail money is purchased by, as you know, payment for order flow, uh, the, uh, the, the make or taker model in the market where you're paid to set the, set the offer and maybe paid to be at the bid on an inverse market. Uh, what that jargon means for people who don't understand this, you know, goopy lingo we're using is that retail money, most, this is how the whole model works. What I, what I, uh, what I marvel at and, and I credit Robinhood for doing is being is taking advantage of this model. There is good and bad out of it. So here's how it works. And we did see it. Prior to the pandemic, about 46% of, of uh, market volume was coming from fast trading, these guys. And fast traders are proprietary traders whose sole purpose is to trade intraday and be flat at the close. And they achieve it most of the time. So this would be uh, from Citadel's got an operation, Virtu, Quant Lab, Sun, uh, Two Sigma, um, uh, Infinium, GTX, Hudson River Trading, about 15 of them that are, that are very large. So 
So Citadel and Virtu buy 70% of all retail order flow. So if you're a Robinhood trader, your trade will never, ever, ever, ever get to the market. I'm an Interactive Brokers Pro user. One out of 10 of my trades makes it to a displayed market. Almost everything gets intermediated. So what that means is retail flow does not directly affect the market, but it does induce arbitrage. And here is how. This is, a, this is the nasty little secret about Robinhood. I believe, I cannot prove it, but I believe Robinhood sells the trade the moment it enters the system, meaning they're encouraging you to use limit orders. All these brokers say, do not use a marketable trade, you'll get gained. Not true. All my better executions are marketable trades. Right? If it, that means I want to be at the market. Tim, so, Tim can, yes. can you make us feel a little better here? Because all, <laughs> all, all you're doing is making it feel like, all right, the, the system is rigged and I can't win. system's it, always been rigged, Spencer. It's just been rigged little, in different ways. Make you feel a little better, though. It's always been rigged. However, right, so to your point, will that matter to somebody who's trading 100 shares? Not necessarily, but you should understand the effect. So if Citadel is purchasing the order flow, they can see everywhere from Schwab to E-Trade to Ameritrade to Fidelity, they can see the whole pipeline. They can see the supply and demand. And because when you buy a retail order, it's no longer a customer order, they can front run it. It becomes a principal trade because they purchased it. It belongs to them. And because it originated at a, at a rational person, a retail trader, they can use it in the exchange retail liquidity programs to boot. So they can go furnish it at the exchange and get paid three cents after, all re for, after paying 35 cents to Robinhood for it. Then they make their money on the option side of the trade because they know where it's going. So the, but people should understand this. When there is a raft of retail flow, it will affect the derivatives market. And that in turn, will that's implied demand. And it causes the market to move in ways that it wouldn't otherwise. That's not bad for retail money, but you should understand it. And then from a market structure standpoint, you should know when it goes away. And that's very measurable. When all the fast traders start shorting stuff, they, you, can, you know that the pipeline has run out of supply and you should get out of the way. And it'll give you three, four, five days. Why? Because you've got, as a market maker, you have T plus 35, not T plus three if you're short something. You and I, as traders, have to, if our agent has, if we borrowed stock, they have three days to find it or we have to cover uh, market makers can be short for a full month. That, that's stuff you need to know. And it can use all of that to your advantage from a trading turret. All right. Tim Quest uh, has been on with us. He's, uh, his, 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 uh, his app is Market Structure Edge. He'll be on at the next Benzinga Bootcamp on Friday. I'm putting the link to that in all of our chats. There's going to be a much more in-depth conversation about this uh, on Friday. Uh, Tim, and thanks, and yeah. I should say, you, say, you know, sign up for free. It's easy. Do a two-week trial, follow along there, and we'll show you how to use this stuff. Uh, and if you know if it doesn't work for you, fire us. But it's uh, it is <laughs> it's a it's a it, in a trade last week on Microsoft alone, I made two and a half times the annual price of our platform. One trade. If if you can, so if it can give you, uh, Dennis, I always like what you say. If you have a method that gives you a one percent advantage, even it works. Just have a method. And I think that that's very good advice. All right, Tim Quast and, and his firm Market Structure Edge. Tim, thanks a lot. We'll, we'll see you on Friday. Good to see you guys. Thanks, thanks a bunch. Guys. Appreciate right. it.
855, Joel, you got power back. That's good. That's good to see. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think uh, that, that's the last time um, I ever make a uh, Jamaica reference. That was like. Oh, they cut you off oh, there. <laughs> Bob Marley, man. He, Bob Marley boom. pulled the plug on you, Joel. I'm just sitting there, and then everything was dark, and then, and then I waited about five seconds, and the generator came on, and then I had to just. Is it re- storming outside your house? Yeah, yeah the, the thing we. A little bit? Quality, what's DTE at? I want a short DTE. <laughs> you know oh, what? Whenever you put a vengeance trade on like oh, that, it never man. works. Like I'll get bad service at you know some company or whatever. You know, you go to a restaurant, you get bad service at like Wendy's. I was like, ah, I'm gonna short Wendy's because you're never gonna get any customers. You, you know, with service like this, and this is just an example. And and obviously the stock it never works out that way. So stay away from the vengeance trade. It's it's nice though because it's like it's dark. Everything's dark, and then I'm like 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and then you hear that generator going, and uh, boy, oh, boy, it just gets everything. It's not a generac. I don't know what, but I'll tell you, I'll just give you one hint. If you do have a generator, and they bug you every year to pay like 170 bucks to get it tuned up, do it. It's very important because- Especially if you're a trader. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, no. This is, I was almost going to like call in generac, uh, it's not a generic. I don't know what the name of it is, but I missed that insightful talk there. Uh, uh, Tim was great. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, and we talk market structure too on the show and he, I just love that tool. Like in this, you know, the first time that I was like, really, he was taking us in details on it to be able to separate, you know, where the active money in, is, is going because that's what moves money. There's so much of it that's just noise. And what Tim's doing is separating the noise from you know where the real money and where the where the active money is going because that's what's going to move it around like you say 90 percent of the market is just noise it's market making you know high frequency trading uh just you know picking up the spreads where you know that's why boeing is boring now and it's sitting right there in the middle out of five because it's just you know it's in a range it's stuck there's no real active money going in or out of it right now so it's just you know noise right now Whereas opposed to getting like look at a stock like Tesla and it's out of ten. There's all kinds of activity in there. An active trader is pushing the price around. And Neo, same thing right now. I bet you if you were to bring up Neo, it'd probably be sitting up at a ten here right now because obviously the stock's putting a lot of active money in there. But it's that's the whole point. Just active money really pushes the price around. You can see volume and you can say, oh, there's a lot of volume on General Electric every day and a lot of Citigroup. But how much of that volume is just noise? Being able to separate that maybe gives you an insight to where the active money is moving to. All right, let's get to a couple of takeaways from the chat. We were asked about PDD a while back from, from SNB in the chat. PDD, this is, I mean, all of China is trading up today, so this is going to trade with that. It's been hot. Yeah. China trade. I mean, Alibaba has just, you know, been on fire. And obviously, we've got a lot of other you know, Chinese stocks that are following suit. JD.com is another one that we gave love to and we've been giving love to. And it just continues to go up almost every single day. Alibaba and JD have been the leaders here. Obviously, online purchasing in China is online everywhere shopping is, and JD and Bob are two pretty much pure plays at that. So it's not surprising that those two stocks are leading the charge. Uh, PDD is one that's been in a consolidation trading range here for a while. I will say, as long as it holds above 78.40, which is the low back on July, or 76, I guess, the low back on July 24th, mm-hmm. the bulls are still in charge here. So is this the period of consolidation that you like, you know, where you see, see you saw the big move from 40 to 90, and now you've been consolidating that move for the last two months? I kind of like it. Um, you know, it is still in the range though. So, you know, if you're playing it for a breakout, it's not really in a breakout till it's over a hundred bucks, 
but you can see clearly, you know, 80 is the bottom of the range. So if you combine down there, you could have been just doing ch channeling the range. But, you know, usually what you see after period consolidation is a resolution to the previous trend, which was definitely up. So that would make me think that eventually this is going to resolve itself to going higher and breaking out over 100. So I kind of like it. Yeah, PDD, uh, it did get a pop. Uh, was that after hours or pre-market here? You got over $89. You're kind of in a just a gap zone here. I mean, you gapped down three days ago and stayed down. And now, so, I mean, there's Aaron here. I don't know if it's going straight back to 95. I don't know. Why did it gap down that day? Was it some kind of earnings I, or something? I don't follow the stock closely. Yeah, neither do I. I'm just saying it's, it's trading up. There. It's just I can't give you any resistance until you fill the gap. The bottom of that gap comes in at 94.50. Hey, Dennis, I don't know if you saw Big C yesterday, uh, Big Commerce. This is a, in a stock that IPO'd uh, on August 5th. The IPO price is 24. The opening price is 68. And now it is this morning at what? 10... What does this one do? 103, 104. The, uh, the news yesterday was that uh, they're involved with Shopify and Facebook in terms oh, of the, wow. the Facebook shop uh, app or uh, functionality within the Facebook app. So they do, they, they facilitate e-commerce in the same way Shopify does. This is very critical here. 104 was the high two days after the IPO and you got there yesterday. You pause there. If it breaks through there, this thing could be like 120. So um, it, it's hard to say, but you get a huge breakout there after a period of consolidation. You got news on Shopify. The volume coming into that tends to continue in my opinion. So I think you're going to see more upside here. I think people will be buying pullbacks on this um, as opposed to just saying, get the hell out. But the 104 level is critical. I mean, if we put in a double top here in this 104, 105 area, then I would say I'd be concerned. But what you want to see today, if you're bullish, you want to see it take out yesterday's high. You want to start hold seeing it. it get 106, it. 107 and hold it. You know, that's critical too, Joel. You know, we'd always talk about breakouts, but the breakout can become a fake out in the case where, you know, it breaks out and then comes back and closes below it. You want to see it hold it and break out and you want to see follow through volume today. So if you get that follow through volume in it today, there's no, you know, the sky, the sky is the limit really on these things. Obviously, you know, we can't look at valuation, you know, on, on something that's been trading in a, and it's going to trade on a story, but you get Shopify you know, a headline, you know, about you know, doing commerce with Shopify, there's no better headline for a commerce business than, you know, yep. cooling with Shopify or any of these other, you know, and, giants. And Facebook. So. And Facebook. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that could carry the story for more than one day. So I wouldn't want to be short. I'll say that much. All right. Uh, uh, once again, I'm going to put the link to the uh, boot camp on Friday in the chats. Uh, so that I just threw it in YouTube again put it in the pre-market chat. It's also in the pro chat. Uh, said at the top, I want to see 200 likes. We're at 253. Let's see if we can get to 300 likes. Or Did or, you like it yet, Joel? I, I would, that, you I can like yourself. Have you ever liked anything before? <laughs> Joel doesn't like Joel it. Joel doesn't like anything. <laughs> Actually, Dennis, you're the complainer. Of, of, I am. Of, of the group. I like the show. I liked the show yesterday. Okay. Uh, I can't like it. Oh, yeah, I guess I can like it every day. I'm going to go like it again you right now. You know what? I love the show. They don't have love. We need the love button. Yeah, forget that. I right. like the show. We love the show. I want to know who cares about the likes. I want to know the four people that don't like us. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, was... who are the four, the four people? Four people. That Come on. Thumbs down. Come on. Who is it? Tough. 
Let's call, I'm calling you guys out Come here on. Right now. Step. It's the CNBC producers. You know uh, what? Or CNBC you, producers this... that watch us every day for their content. Oh, and the, and the CNBC producer just hit the down button, too. Now we got oh, we, now we got uh, 10. Stop talking about the not like button. 11. Stop talking about it. You're screwing all this up. Never I'm... talk about the down, thumbs down button again, Joel. Well, no, I want. <laughs> that was 11. Stop it. It's the whole country of Jamaica is what's going on. No, seriously, I, I if you don't CNBC like producer. the show, <laughs> if you don't like the show. That's the most dislikes we've ever had. Joel, you are fired for this. If you don't, <laughs> it, if you don't like the show, either tell us or don't listen. I mean, it's pretty simple, yeah. right? Stop talking about it. It's 20 now. You're <laughs> you going to get us both send, fired here You can soon. send any and all feedback, good or bad. To we had four, and you started talking about it, then went to 20. Premarketadpenzinga.com. Uh, That's who's going to cut us off. The, the three of us are on that email. You can send us feedback there as well. I want to thank our guest today, Tim Quast. Thanks to all of you in all, our, our chats, all three of them. Uh, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. There are links in the, in the description of this video to our Shopify store, to our upcoming events, to Benzinga Pro. Check those out. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your Wednesday and stay safe. You know what? It just hit 27, then it pulled back to 22. So I think some people were just joking around. <laughs> a little retracement. You can unlike the you can So if you, you don't can. like it, then you can undo your don't like. Yes. And, all right. Bye, guys. Yeah. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.